0: KBLA Talk 1580 All I do, all I do is work Ooh, Good thing I love it <clears throat> Good thing we love what we do So pleased to have with us in studio this morning My colleague, she is. She has her own show Here on KBLA Talk 1580 Started as a media analyst uh, 20 years ago uh, She actually came up um, came to notice as a lead attorney representing the family, one of two victims of a wrongful death university sorority hazing case. Uh, but since then, she's lent her expertise as a media and legal analyst and become one of the top experts on employment and labor law issues, the latest trends and developments in the workplace. Now she is an author of the book, The Workplace Transformed: Seven Crucial Lessons from the Global Pandemic Moving Beyond COVID-19 and Embracing the New Future of Work. Angela J. Reddock. Wright, good morning. Good morning, Dominique. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great to have you on. Congratulations on being an author. Thank you. I'm.
1: For a while, I have been thinking about writing a book um, and trying to determine, you know, what would be the best way for me to kind of lend my professional expertise. And then when COVID came, um, and as I was kind of grappling with my, you know, own thoughts about COVID and how to navigate that and the fears that we all experienced, I thought about that in connection with the workplace. And it just came to me in my spirit, like, this is your first book, this is the book you need to write about, because this is such a this is the topic you need to talk about, because this is such a moment in history that I felt we could not forget, we could not let pass by, and we need to st- needed to stop and think about what it meant for us personally, and then extending that into the workplace
0: right and and I imagine one of the reasons for that is because you're even busier than usual speaking to people that work, 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 that would be you. Um, because when these kinds of issues come up, your expertise as an attorney, becomes even more in demand, right?
1: Yes. And um, just so I am an attorney, but I spend my days as a mediator and arbitrator. So I litigated for 15 years as an employment attorney. And also, as you have referenced, um, I've, I have had a few cases in my career which were, you know, very specialized in um cases which I consider hallmarks of my career. So the hazing case, for example. But as a mediator and arbitrator, I actually help parties resolve issues every day. So the way I have seen it, it's not necessarily in the calls that I get from employees or employers. Actually, I get calls, I can't represent them, and I have to refer them. But as a mediator, and especially now that we are arguably coming out of COVID, I see the cases where employees have sued their employers, um, claiming that they were denied benefits or denied some type of rights during the COVID pandemic, or now as employers are asking folks to come back to work, folks having to navigate those issues and what that means. So I spend my days in if you can imagine a conference room table, I'm there in the middle with parties on both sides helping them to resolve these issues. And certainly at the forefront <clears throat> are issues related to COVID.
0: Right. And those issues, become different and they become more frequent. I mean none of us saw this coming, right? right. Uh, this pandemic. But I think a lot of the issues that um, have come to the forefront, many of them were already there.
1: Yes, they, yes. it's
0: just just like the inequities. COVID amplified it.
1: Exactly. You're exactly right, um, Dominique. Um, so first, we go back to that March, tw- I think it was March 20, 2019, 2020, that they issued the stay at home orders. And I think everyone at that point thought, oh, this will be a couple of weeks, people were thinking nice vacation, I'll get to take a break from work, um, or working from home. And each month, um, as they continued to extend the stay at home orders, and then started to issue regulations about how Employers had to deal with this issue with their employees. I think just no one thought we would be two plus years out. Still, well, one with people still experiencing COVID at the levels that we've seen it, and then two um, experiencing the fallout um, from COVID. And at the you know core of that, as you mentioned, has been just amplifying the inequities that had already existed in the workplace. We know that you know from studies over this last two plus years that those who were impacted the most. were were essential workers on the front lines, still having to go to work every day, um, despite stay at home orders, despite, you know, other regulations, because we needed those folks in order to keep our economy moving and keep life, life moving. And so um, it's amplified the problems that women and minorities, and others who have to work every day have had with, you know, um, making a quality living with having childcare with having family care, all of those. Those issues have just come to the forefront.
0: And of course, the economy adds another twist. Um, the way the economy is going adds another twist. Who is in control? Who has the leverage? Is it the workers or the employers? Uh, the move toward unionization that seems to be uh, sweeping the nation and some of these um, essential. Uh, jobs, especially some of the lower wage jobs. Want to touch on all of that when we come forward. Also, by the way, if you have a question, Attorney Angela Reddick Wright, arbitrator Angela Reddick mediator. Wright, mediator yes. <laughs> is here. Eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. Eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. It's KBLA Talk fifteen eighty today. You've got two hosts for the price of one, and we are unapologetically progressive.
1: Quiet part out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. Children. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk
0: 1580. And what a pleasure to have my colleague, attorney Angela Reddick Wright, um, with us in studio today. So many times we're just by ourselves here talking to people on the phone. And uh, I think I've been in conversation with you on the radio for many years. Yes, thank you. Now you have your own show. How is that for you?
1: I'm loving it. I'm particularly proud to be a part of the KBLA Talk 1580 family and the excitement of what's happening here. Um, I remember when you first came over and I had a chance to be on your show and just kind of whispered in your ear like, hey, you know, if Tavis ever wants to do a legal show, call me. And so when I got the call, I was really surprised but honored at the same time. And it's just been an amazing almost year that I've been a part of the KBLA Talk 1580 Wow, family. I can't
0: believe it's been that long well yes. congratulations to you I listened to the show it's great um and uh you know lots and I of...
1: appreciate all your pointers did <laughs> you, I you, you are the best you, you know. every now and then you will drop me some words of wisdom
0: oh okay I didn't know I did that i sorry <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing that um but look you know you talked about all these things that have come up um in you know, the, the way the workplace is changing, most employees were not employers, workplaces, not ready at all. We were talking last hour about how schools weren't ready at all. Um, so, you know, one of the things you cover in your book is how human resources and, you know, some smaller places that don't even have human resources, how they had to make the adjustments to the changing uh, needs right. and, and demands, really, because right. it wasn't just what employees what employees needed. It's the CDC and the county, and everybody's giving you all these regulations and guidelines that are changing every ten minutes. Yes,
1: so um, I know many. Um, have a love hate relationship with human resources. Uh, some <laughs> see human resources as representing the company and, and not employees. But I always say what one HR is, is really critical and especially large organizations could not function without a strong HR team. Um, but, although HR professionals sometimes get a bad rap for being company only and only seeing the view of the company, they really are important to kind of helping navigate through issues like the pandemic. And as you stated, they weren't ready. And so HR professionals had to kind of wrap their Arms and minds around all the regulations, and interestingly, the CDC director just said, "You announced, you know what? Our website for the last two and a half years has been really confusing, and the information we've been putting out is really confusing. And so now she's ordering a revamping of how they do business." But she's new, so exactly. She's
0: been on the job what, like a month or something? (laughs) Yes. So basically, she's saying that's why I'm here. This was exactly,
1: exactly.
0: You know, and so
1: HR. Imagine if even within the organization. Organizations that are kind of putting out this information, and then HR having to interpret that, along with the attorneys and the leaders in the company, Mm -hmm. it was quite confusing. Plus, keeping employees motivated, supporting employees working from home, Um, many did not already have. One of the things we talk about in the book is having a disaster preparedness plan, and that includes um, knowing if there is a disaster. And now we know that we will always have some crises. So, right coming out of COVID, now. we have monkeypox. And then we, we have no idea what the next thing will be. So it is clear there will always be a crisis in place. So companies have to take the lessons of COVID-19, make sure that they're prepared, make sure they revisit their plans over and over again, and make sure that they're nimble and ready to move as times are changing.
0: Mm. Do you think that um, from an HR perspective or an employer perspective, COVID has improved Life for workers in any ways? Um, That's an interesting
1: question. I think in some work environments, it has. Some um, CEOs and companies and organizations have embraced this moment of change to say, aha, let's look at how we make the workplace better for our employees. And many, for example, have even said, we don't, you know, we realize that we don't need people to show up at work every day in order to have a vibrant workplace and order to deliver for our customers and our consumers and so forth. But other um, companies are still struggling. And in fact, a couple of the news stories that I'm following on these days is around this issue of having employees return to work. Right.
0: We were talking about that yesterday. Apple, for example, Mm -hmm. is mandating their employees come back to work. Now the employees are resisting that. They're banding together. It's not a union, but they're saying, look, we don't want to come back. You don't need us back. Um, and, And now some employers are even talking about penalizing you, like, you take a pay cut if you want to work from home. Exactly. Attorney Redick Wright, I think it's just the opposite. I think that if I'm not coming into work, you don't have to pay for the water that I would have at the water cooler, the you don't have to pay for the electric that I would use, the snacks that I would eat. It saves you money. So right. w- so I you should be paying me because now I'm using my electricity, my pencils. You know um, my snacks, right. and and you don't have to c- cover that cost. But it looks like it's it's swinging the other way.
1: Yes. um, I think what's happening is with the um, economy sort of being in flux and inflation being on the rise, many employers are now using this as an opportunity um, to say, "Okay, we're going to use this moment in time to force people to come back to work. And and, and if they choose to stay, continue working like Elon Musk is kind of noted in this area, he's like, unless you can prove to me that you're so outstanding that you can work from home and it's justified, then you've got to come back to work. And I think they, they're they getting it wrong because what the studies show is that even working from home, besides feeling this sense of work-life balance and being able to be there for your family and your children and so forth, people are actually being quite productive. And some are even working more from home than they would at the office because at the office, there's generally a stop point, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, you're eventually going to go home. But the temptation when you're working from home home is okay I'll cook dinner and then I'm going to get back on the computer and I'm going to read my email so I think this direction of cutting pay because of this remote work environment is definitely the wrong way to go
0: yeah I mean I feel like workers should push back I feel like employers owe workers because they have to spend less money if the workers aren't there not only that we talk about working extra time all those minutes and hours that I would have spent in my car I can now spend working
1: right right um And I think we will see employees stepping up, as you mentioned, the Apple employees. But this is a trend that we've been seeing at least... even before the pandemic, this concept of what I call employee activism. We see um, employees, whether unionized or not, are banding together. They realize that they're stronger when they band together to stand against the policies of their employers that they don't support, whether that's discrimination, harassment, paying out a CEO millions of dollars after committing harassment. Employees are taking a stand in the tech industry, the gaming industry, and big companies like Apple. So I think um, see. CEOs and companies are going to have a lot to contend with as they grapple with these policies.
0: Okay, well, to me, the messaging is super mixed. And yes, you're right. We're better together. That's what unions are for. That's why we have weekends and eight hour days, right? Otherwise, we'd all be working seven days a week around the clock now, right? There would be no minimum wage. But on the one hand, employee employers are going, Well, well, there's not enough employees, no one wants to work, I can't open my restaurant corporation, whatever, because I don't have enough workers. Right. On the other hand, they're saying, We demand you come back to work and if not, we're gonna lay you off, we're gonna cut your salaries and you know, Elon Musk says you can't prove you're working if you're not at the factory. Um actually, yeah, you can. Right. Not only can you monitor my computer screen from a from remote which many companies do, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you, I have metrics, I, I have to finish X by five. And right. if I'm not done, you'll know that. Right. Um. But I, I guess the mixed messaging for me is like, our employees, do they have the leverage, you know, or is it employers, because employers are crying that they don't have enough workers, but then they're mandating all of these things that workers don't want.
1: Right. I think the recent most recent Statistics say that there are about ten million dollars ten million open jobs throughout the country. Okay. So certainly and, and I think all of us are experiencing it as we go. I don't know about you, as we go to restaurants, as we go to places that provide services, there is reduced staff, and you're right. seeing it in terms of timeliness, of getting your meals and quality yeah. of service, et cetera. Don't so go I go to do, a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. And so I do think employees have a leverage, but what's happening is because the economy is taking such a, or I would say it's in flux, and I personally have hope that it's going to, you know, turn around pretty mm. quickly. Um, but because we're in that flux, and employers know that um, the unemployment dollars, you know, your time to, to apply for unemployment is running out through the special COVID regulations, and that now it's more expensive to live, you know, because of gas prices, grocery prices, ah. etc. They're using this time to say okay, and people need their jobs, where maybe a year or two ago, people were feeling entrepreneurial, like maybe I'll do something (laughs) on my own, or even, you know, now the power's in my hand, because the regulations support me working from home. And guess what, if you fire me, I'll just, you know, apply for unemployment, and I'll get it for the next year. So because all of that's starting to slowly kind of fade out, um, I think employers are using that to um, get people to come back to work the and they're fear being, leverage re, exactly fear and they're using really um, you know stretched policies such as we'll cut your pay to and, and it's almost like a um, like they're using a scorched earth approach right, to try to right. get employees back as opposed to saying you know what the last two years, life has changed, things have changed. Let's look at a balanced approach where we can, I think the companies that are doing it best and organizations, they're looking at hybrid schedules. They're saying you can work, you know, two days from home, three days in the office or every Wednesday, everybody's in the office. But even when they come into the office, they're going to provide lunch for everyone, they're going to bring in a yoga instructor, they're going to make it fun and interesting to come back into the office. Those companies, I think are getting it right. But the companies that are all or nothing and we're going to cut your pay, I think they're going to see a real rise up among um, employees just because life has changed.
0: Well, and and to your earlier point, they should be data-driven. Yes. W- let's look at some evidence about where the productivity is. On wh- how, what does the, the graph line look like for exactly. our productivity as a company? Exactly. Happiness, employee retention, uh, creativity, productivity, those are measurable. Right. Measure it. And then, and then go off of that, not just because you're Elon Musk and you don't think. Right. You know, you thought Dogecoin was a good idea, too. Right. So, you know, and, and and certain, you know, some jobs you have to be there, some not so much. I wonder about these, and I know we're like two minutes away from news traffic and sports, but I wonder about some of these um, tech companies where the employees have literally moved to other states. Right. They they, they moved out of the expensive um, urban centers like San Francisco uh, and L.A. and went somewhere cheaper because they can do their job remotely. What happens to them now? Yes. And and I actually do get
1: calls about that. Like I'm now working in Atlanta or South Carolina or somewhere. Um, Can my employer force me to come back to work? And the answer is Yes, because your job was most likely based on your being present in a certain area. And as employers are bringing folks back in, of course, they can require that you be, you know, at least have the ability to get to work. So the idea that you can get to work easily from Atlanta or some other place is probably not the case. So unfortunately, wow. um, but I read another story where someone's like, "I my family, we moved to Washington State, we're very happy. If that means a pay cut, or if that means I have to take a, different job within my company, then I'm okay with it, because I appreciate the quality of life I have now.
0: Well, and, and the, it seems well, correct me if I'm wrong. Th- that's something that could be negotiated with an employer, right? Yes, it can be. But some like
1: Apple, like the Teslas, they're going to be really strict and say all or nothing. So you may find yourself having to find another job.
0: Wow. Well, and Tesla, I mean, Who's following their workplace practices, right? They're subject now to the biggest discrimination lawsuit in the history of California. Yes, we for, had that
1: attorney, one of uh, both attorneys from that case um, on our show Bernard Alexander and a Bay Area attorney. Yes. Yeah,
0: so I mean, yeah, do as they say, not as they do, or maybe don't do what they say or what they do, um, because basically it boiled down to anti blackness. Right. And so, um, yeah. Uh, Mr. Musk, you might want to work on your own internal policies and training yes. before you get around to telling other folks what to do. We'll take a look at that, um, What what is changing as far as how people need to be trained, how they need to suit up and be ready uh, for work. This is one of the big takeaways in your book. News, traffic, and sports, then more with attorney Angela Reddick-Wright when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Broadcasting live from Leimert Park, USA. USA, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580.
0: Angela Reddick-Wright is with us. She's an attorney and she's a host here on KBLA, one of 17 women that have shows here. Uh, Your show, of course, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. If you haven't checked it out, definitely want to do so. She's got great guests and great conversation. Are you brought up during, a, when we weren't paying attention to news traffic and sports about this i this concept of quiet quitting? What is quiet quitting? Yes, so we, um,
1: Dominique, we've been talking about sort of the impact of the last two plus years and on employers and employees and some of the trends we're sitting, seeing. So one of the, the newer trends is folks are saying, okay, I'm not going to formally quit my job or leave my company because I need the benefits, I need the pay. But I'm only going to do what is required. You hired me as an account exec. You hired me as a receptionist. You hired me as, you know, some desk job or what have you. I'm going to do that job and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But at 5 p.m., I'm done. I'm not going to be, you know, that employee very much like the, what we, the baby boomer generation or other generations or even my generation, which is Generation um, Z, I mean, Generation X, where it's like we are working willing to go above and beyond and we're willing to yeah, be I mean, available 24 seven generational
0: but i think it's part of predatory capitalism i think mm-hmm. this idea that workers are supposed to work themselves to death to prove something to a company that americans take less vacations than anyone else anywhere else in the world right that we feel that we can't you know as women we can't take time off to be with our children when we give birth that otherwise we might fall behind and we do we right. do fall behind. Women lose, right? Yes. We lose ground. Yes. When we have time. kids. Yes. Um we and, and so to me, like I understand I actually was talking to a friend yesterday who was saying, Ah, oh, these Generation Z, these millennials, they you know, they have an entitlement. They don't they don't want to, you know, get jobs, right? Right, right. Which is what we were just talking about when, you know, when employees are having trouble getting employers are having trouble getting uh, workers. Right. But at the same time, the I think there's something good about the pushback to this endless grind.
1: Yes, it's definitely teaching um, the prior generations a lesson. And I think it's introducing this concept of the workplace into the workplace of work life balance in that um, work can't be everything for everybody 24 seven. So I'm loving it. Um, And I even in my own life, I went on vacation recently. And I never would have gone on vacation and put on my out of office message, I just would have been available, um, but I felt very comfortable in light of what's happening in the world of saying, (laughs) I'm on vacation. I'll get to return your call when I return. I mean, the
0: psychologists say we need boundaries, right? Exactly. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I check my emails at three o'clock in the morning and I'm definitely a workaholic. I'm I'm not, but I want to be more like the millennials and in Gen Z in having clear boundaries. Yes. I think we need it. And work-life balance is pretty much a myth.
1: It is. It is. But in this country, anyway. It, but I think one to your point earlier about what are some of the lessons that COVID has ta- taught us specifically as it relates to the workplace, is that there are other things that are important to us other than work. And I, that's why I think we're going to see pushback as companies are demanding that people return to work. I yeah. think they're going to experience people going to companies like even like LinkedIn, it's a really big company. They've decided that Until the end of time, their employees can work remotely. So people are going to go to the companies that allow for more creative environments and more creative situations.
0: Right. So everybody wants to work for LinkedIn. I mean, (laughs) duh, make your workers. You know, that's the whole thing about, oh, we can't find workers. Pay people. Pay people more. Give them benefits. you'll probably you may still have trouble but I don't think as much yeah but you know what
1: I'm not even sure paying people more in benefits uh, greater benefits is enough I mean surely it's important but the Ah. statistics show that people care far more about things like feeling that they're valued and appreciated um, feeling that um, their companies have their longer term better interests in mind and most importantly that companies are going to offer flexibility understanding that while we do spend a lot of time at work, that we have other things that are important to us outside of work, our families, our hobbies, our, you know, our other interests. And our so health. I think just, I mean, clearly, because companies now in Los Angeles, they're offering, you know, they, the minimum wage is $15 an hour. But we see some companies offering $20, 25 an hour for what would be normal minimum wage jobs um, to get people to, to work.
0: And even in those instances, it's not always enough. Why is it's not just people have an attitude. Even with 25 bucks an hour, you, how are you, you're not going to be able to pay rent in this city with one job. Exactly. It ain't going down like that. So some of it might be people saying, oh, I need work life balance. Some of it is like, oh, I don't want to be homeless. Right. How about that?
1: Right. Now, especially if you're in a city like Los Angeles. So you are going to be looking for companies that pay well, that provide great benefits so that you can afford to live here. (laughs) Yeah.
0: If you can't afford to (laughs) live where you work, that's unsustainable, isn't it?
1: Yes, no, most, most definitely. And how cities like Los Angeles, states like California will deal with that, because, you know, ultimately, we may um, lose the folks that what we call essential workers, the folks that help truly help keep the economy moving and going, like, how do we keep those folks here, so that we can have a balanced society where, you know, we have workers at all levels.
0: Yeah, well, so many interesting questions. I mean, to me the fact that they call it quiet quitting is very telling because mm-hmm. that means if I show up and do actually what you pay me to do, then then I actually am quitting. So so I if I don't work allow you to practice what is basically wage theft by forcing me to work beyond what you're paying me for, then I'm quitting. Yeah,
1: I think it's the workplace form of what we call passive aggressive behavior, uh, okay, where right, I am right. passively working, I'm doing what you hired me to do, but I'm not going to go above and beyond. But interestingly, you know, for employees that do go above and beyond, there are, I mean, California, while we it may be very expensive to live here, California is considered one of the most progressive states in terms of laws that protect employees. So right. they There are laws that say if you're working from home, employer, you have to supply or pay for you know, the things that I need in order to work from home, whether it be my equipment or providing some kind of pro rata share for my overhead from working from home. Um, There are laws that say you have to take a break every if you're a non-exempt employee or an exempt, non-exempt employee, meaning you're hourly, that you have to take a break every four hours for 10 minutes or a a half an hour lunch break for every five hours that you work. So we do in California have very strong laws on the book, but books, but I think even with that employees are saying, that's not enough for me. It's good to know that I work in an environment where I'm protected legally as an employee. But right now, what's
0: most important to
1: me is working on my side but hustle real talk, or having time real for my thing.
0: Angela, most <laughs> people are, that work from home don't get to take a break every four hours. Most people that work from home, they're not getting paid for their share of the light bill from their company. I mean, it may be on the books, but that ain't I would I would venture to guess that's not happening in most cases.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think larger companies are paying more attention to issues like that because okay. they're the most acceptable to those types of claims. lawsuits. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, smaller companies, they may not have the resources to one even know that those are requirements right. that they're expected to follow. Um, th- they may not have an HR person on staff most or workers a, a, a don't know lawyer. It either. Mo- right yeah they're not the workers aren't educated on these issues um so those companies are probably you know at risk and quite vulnerable cuz i always say it only takes one person one person that knows their rights to completely change the equation for a company and cause
0: them to be involved in a lawsuit mm, that's interesting don't get me wrong i'm not saying go to work and be lazy right but but i think this expectation that you're supposed to Give until your last drop of blood is gone is wrong.
1: Yeah, and and I and I, I think a lot of people feel that way, and the companies that don't understand that and get that, I think will still be struggling for great employees.
0: Well, I said we were going to talk about this, so we'll have to do it when we come forward. Um, you you know, in your book, which is called "The Workplace Transformed," seven uh, crucial lessons from the global pandemic. You you advocate training, uh, new training for employers, HR people. Um, so I want to talk about what that training really looks like. What are we talking about? What do we need to become more competent about uh, to thrive in the so-called post-pandemic era? It's KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. Hey, hey, hey. Where hate meets its scholarly match. And that would be you, Attorney Angela Reddick-Wright. Uh, catch her Saturdays at 11 on KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, so what is this training? What is it that we got to get up on? Uh, and by we, I mean employee Uh, HR people? Right. So first,
1: I'd say, you know, training for managers and supervisors is critical. And even before the pandemic, um, training for managers and supervisors is critical because they're the ones who are carrying out the policies on the ground and in terms of their direct um, interactions with employees. And even before the pandemic, um, I would often get calls from companies or organizations um, or employees complaining about their managers and supervisors. And what I learned at the heart of it is some people are promoted to being a manager supervisor because they do a great job at whatever it is they do. But they haven't necessarily been trained in people skills and how to manage people and incentivize people and make people feel part of a team. Um, so now with COVID, even more so where people are working remotely, people are feeling distant. There's a lot of fear in the workplace. Um, we have to train to, um, train managers on how to do. Deal with the new workplace, how to manage people, how to incentivize them, how to engage them. So that's the, the first part. And then when it comes to employees, um, because people are working from home, definitely technology, making sure people understand uh, the technology that's in place from, you know, we're all on Zoom now to, you know, having the right microphone so that you can be heard when you're on a Zoom call. Under, Dominique, you reference all the software and technology there is to manage mechanisms and data, and to you know manage when people are working and how they're working, so it's not natural to um, everyone. I heard your conversation uh, with the um, educator before was that the, t- the students were sort of laughing at the teachers, because the teachers didn't oftentimes know the technology that was needed to, to support their teaching. So same thing in the workplace, we can't assume that everybody is techie, everybody gets, um, you know, how to use the ne- t- new technology out there. And so there has to be training on that. And then I'm always a big advocate for training on preventing um, discrimination and harassment. In the workplace from the top to the bottom, I am getting a lot of calls about that type of training. Employers are recognizing that post George Floyd, we're living in a new day. Um, Diversity, equity, and inclusion is at the top of the agenda for many companies. Uh, But it's not just your quote unquote, your mother's or your father's diversity kind of program or affirmative action program. It's now about how do we really show as a company, as an organization, we're committed to these issues. So you need um, training that helps uh, sensitize and helps um, CEOs and executives and managers and supervisors to really understand this and how to affect change in their organizations
0: one really great way is get some uh, people with power in your company right on Indeed. your board um, some high level uh, managers and supervisors having someone in the room I, I don't know you know I I hear what you're saying, but I'm skeptical about whether companies really are making any change or whether it continues to be window dressing. Yeah,
1: well, I have quite a few friends, if you can imagine, that work in particular in the DEI space. Mm-hmm. And many of them are expressing frustration because they were hired as consultants throughout the pandemic and post George Floyd are hired as the executive VP of diversity, equity, and inclusion at companies. But as they're consulting and as they are now in these companies, they're starting to feel pushback and feel that now that things are sort of you know, arguably settling or at least we're not in the intense moment of, you know, George Floyd, although you were just talking about, you know, new instances of um, race issues um, that are happening, but companies are not feeling the intensity of it as they were in May 2020. Right. And so they're not empowering their DEI consultants. I I would argue
0: that it's it's mm -hmm. more than just settled. It's it's a white lash. It is a a conscious... um, anti-wokeness, anti-DEI, anti-fairness, anti-affirmative action movement that is picking up steam. So, um, it, it, you know, a lot of these companies are not making good on the promises, but I'm glad to hear you say that you're seeing some uh, emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Um, when we come forward, I do want to talk about, you know, why workers are out, why, what might bring them back. And, um, you know, I think some of it is not what is being widely reported. Talk about that and whatever else you want us to know to be ready for where our jobs may be going. It's KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where
1: we turn red lights to green lights and keep it moving. The conversation continues right now, right now. Right now. Right now. with now. Dominique now. DePrima on First Things First. first, first. Things first.
0: Time flies when you're getting smarter talking with attorney Angela Reddick, right? Um, so two um, groups of workers that seem to be missing in action right now, older Americans, those boomers, those senior citizens that you used to see working at the fast foods uh, and then younger Americans, the older folks, a lot of them are not coming back, right?
1: Um, Yes, they're, they're not, they are afraid of COVID. They are um, not up for all of the changes in the workplace. They're saying, you know, I, You know, I've worked long enough. I don't have to deal with this anymore, even at the sacrifice of um, not having enough money to really live in retirement. So they're having to make some tough choices. And then at places like the city of LA and other government agencies and companies that provide pensions, they offered um, buyouts um, for older workers, and so many employees took that that opportunity. And the other is is young folks. Uh, You asked the question during the break. You're like, what are they doing? How are 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 they? they how do you survive without you know, a job? Yeah. I know many are entrepreneurial in nature and are... Seeking to be social media influencers and so to work in media drugs, and so you're <laughs> I I would hope that's not the case. Uh, but I think some are choosing to um, because you know a lot of young people don't have a lot of hope, right? They're like, I'll never afford a house. I can never afford to have the same lifestyle that my parents had. So they're choosing to just in you know enjoy their lives, take you know jobs that are part time, jobs that you know allow them to make enough money to be able to. To barely make it, um, but to do some of the other things they enjoy, such as traveling and they're building side businesses while working, say, for example, a part time job. Um, I have my granddaughter, um, she's in college right now. We're like, what do you want to do? What's, what's your plan? And she said she wants to travel. So we're trying to encourage her to look at jobs that would allow her to travel. But I think young people, unfortunately, are feeling a bit hopeless these days. And so the they're airlines just going. Are hiring. <laughs> exactly. Airlines are hiring. <laughs> yeah. So they're just going with the flow.
0: Well, yeah, I think. I, I, you know, if you can go with the flow and still keep your lights on, more power to you. Um, I have to have a job for that, but I do think that there's a lot of value to the emphasis on health, well-being, and mental health that Generation Z and the Millennials are forcing us to deal with.
1: Um, For sure. And that's probably been one of the biggest lessons of the pandemic that we're not going back to work as it was before, that uh, we are in the process of transforming. I don't think we know yet what this full transformation will look like, but we're definitely at a critical time where companies are trying to decide, you know, if they'll be able to continue to do business as usual. And I think the companies that think they can probably aren't going they may survive but they may not survive as well you know with happy balanced employees productive employees and the but the companies that get that will be the companies that thrive
0: in the future attorney angela reduck wright thank you so much for being with us and congratulations on your book the workplace transformed seven crucial lessons from the global pandemic thank i'm going to leave with a quote from cesar chavez speaking of work and labor he says if you want to remember me organize. Uh, Angela Reddick Wright, you can hear her Saturdays at 11 a.m. You can hear me every day from 6 to 9 a.m. Tavis Smiley is up next. History is now or making it together. Until next time, one love. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.